becomes like a fleeting memory. Whatever you grab just turns to dust. Like eye contact with a stranger, stranger out of the is a dream that you to make real. Passing over the songs, glimmer, glimmer of the ship you see. All right. All right. Let's do this thing. Let's do it. <laughs> Cheers. To the shores. Mm-hmm. What do we got today? Well, you know what? Things don't, don't seem the way they should be. Well, <laughs> <laughs> that, what, probably that's true too. Right? Probably that's true too. <laughs> Things aren't what they seem to be. I think that's what you said. Yeah. Yeah. Things aren't what they seem to be. Tell me what you're thinking about that. Um, I think probably just jump around a lot of areas in this, in this, uh, in this part. But, um, I think the main thing is, is we're seeing a lot over the last, and it also might be because you and I have, you know, just politically, we've just kind of come alive last year or so. And, mm-hmm. um, but it seems like these are themes that have been always, uh, always present. So, um, that seems like a big one to you. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> it does. It's just like, uh, I mean, when you're a kid, you know, the first time you realize your parents aren't immortal, you know, mm. and they're human and they really don't know what they're doing. I mean, you really don't figure that out till you have your own kids that they didn't really know what they were doing. Oh, totally. <laughs> yeah. You know, so it's like, you're always, I feel like you're always finding out that things aren't what they seem to be. Mm. Um, starting a business, you know, you're like you're so excited and you get into it and you're like, Oh wow, this is really freaking hard. You have to pay taxes. You have to manage people, and it's all these elements that you didn't know before that you always perceived or saw other people do, and you just didn't even right didn't even understand. You know, what are some areas over the last year that have seemed uh, have turned out to be not what they seemed? Oh, um, well, definitely the pandemic is kind of. I'm still baffled, even to this day, that everyone's wearing a mask. Hmm. Like Fauci is now saying you should wear two, three, three, four. <laughs> I forget now. Yeah. Depends. depends how high your percentage you, you want to go up to. Well, it's funny that just to express some frustration over that. It's funny because what he said was, it seems like common sense that it would be likely that mm-hmm. wearing two would be, have added benefit. Like, aren't you a scientist? Aren't you supposed <laughs> to be using science to tell us what we think is true? And you're, you're, but you're not using common sense and using words like it's likely. Mm-hmm. So that was frustrating. Um, but yeah, so why does it surprise you that people are still wearing masks? Um, it's mostly just as, you know, again, the last 42 years of my life, I'm 43 now, but like that was never a thing. Like people did not wear masks and, mm-hmm. and now our society has changed and it's just so different now. Um, or even like, I'm not a very, uh, what do you call it? A social butterfly, you know, in general, but even more so it's, it's so hard to interact with people with masks on. Mm, Yeah. Like I get so much out of people's expressions and what's going on in their face. And, and when you're talking about subjects that you and I usually get into, it's like, you really need all your faculties to really understand, Oh, they're not really getting it or, Oh, they, they understand that. And I feel like this mask kind of adds another element of sort of, um, secrecy, you know, Mm -hmm. um, in relationships. So have you, have you seen any 
scare quotes, science, mm-hmm. um, supporting that policy decision? The mass thing? Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, the, the, the science part's really hard. I'm not really sure. Uh, I mean, there's the spray test where they spray through certain, you know, uh, fabrics or whatever it might be. And you see certain things come out of others, you know, it's like, um, so there's some things I think are kind of like, it's kind of makes sense to me is like, okay, yeah, you're blocking some, like some of the stuff sure. that's coming out. Yeah. There's something obviously intuitive about it, mm-hmm. but I don't see those sort of spray test mm-hmm. demonstrations as science. Yeah. Yeah. As far as like, what is, what's actually, uh, getting through the mask and how, how does that affect the viral load? And, um, it just, it's just hard for me to say, like, I, again, I'm, I don't really know. Uh, yeah. well, and we didn't come here to yeah. debate about masks or <laughs> solve that problem, but I mean, it does seem like the, I think you're right. The pandemic is not what it seems. Mm-hmm. And, or even the, even people who are getting sick. I mean, it's like, uh, it's like, I, I kind of find it a 50, 50, like people who I know are really careful. I mean, like, even super careful are getting sick. And I don't find there's a, 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 again, this is just anecdotal. It's like right. that there's a difference between people who are super, super wearing 10 masks, you know, versus mm-hmm. someone who's wearing one mask, you know, as and far both as both of them are getting sick. Both of them point. are getting sick. Right. Yeah. Or so it seems again, that's totally yeah. anecdotal. Well, I feel like the, you know, it's not, the pandemic is not what it seems. And you can take that to one of two ways. Mm-hmm. Like it's either not what it seems. It's, it's cl- like maybe clearly not as bad as we're behaving as if it were, mm-hmm. um, or you can take it the other way and say, it's clearly worse than the way that we're behaving. Mm-hmm. And both of those are valid positions to hold mm-hmm. because I think the truth is we just don't know that much, Yeah, which is <clears throat> in some way shocking. Cause it's been, we're coming up on a year here or past <clears throat> a year yeah. from the original outbreak. And it doesn't seem like we know very much more than we did at the beginning. Well, I think again, there's, there's so many other factors that make things, um, not what they seem to be is there seems to be so much fluff in everywhere. I mean, like again, until, um, you know, Trump got out of office, it's, it's like now there seems to be a lot more, uh, the, not, I don't think the messaging is as clear, but it seems more cohesive, you know, (laughs) as far as like what the messaging is around all this. And, Mm. um, I felt like there was a lot of politicizing on the media side of the whole COVID thing. And I feel like that has just, it's just, it just broke down. Well, when I'm thinking about how you sort of kicked this idea off and you talked about growing up, Mm -hmm. I think there's maybe something necessary about going through times where things aren't what they seem. Like you have a feeling that Mm -hmm. something isn't the way that it seems, which is usually comes after having a feeling of understanding what things are, you Mm -hmm. know, as you're growing up, you think that you understand what things are. And then you're like, maybe things aren't quite what I thought they were. And then you reach a point, you know, like in, when you have your own kids, for example, and Mm -hmm. all of a sudden you remember, it's like, you see your kid do something and you remember (laughs) doing that to your parents and you're like, but I'm just a kid now. And I thought my parents were adults then. Uh And your whole mind is blown. Yeah. Um, So maybe the fact that we're in a place of, things feeling like they aren't what they seem is indicative of some sort of growth into something new because maybe it's a necessary, uh, a necessary phase to go through. Hmm. 
That's interesting. Even, even if you think of that in an evolutionary way, uh, and again, I'm just thinking the difference between like the 1918 Spanish flu Mm -hmm. pandemic versus today. Um, you know, not that, you know, people are losing their jobs. There's a lot of, you know, obviously like my business is suffering hugely right now, uh, from all this. Um, but we have a lot of infrastructure in place that we didn't back then. And how much does that also help? You mean now versus the Spanish flu versus Spanish flu. Mm-hmm. You know? And again, I don't know what the, the difference in the, like the, um, the death rate or the, not, well, not the death rate, but the, uh, um, actual impact of how, how do you say <clears> that? <throat> like the impact that Spanish flu as a disease, as a virus has in compared to the, the COVID, do you know as far as mortality Well, mortality or even like how I think it was more, higher, more deadly or threatening it is. I think it was more deadly. The Spanish flu was. Yeah. Oh, interesting. All okay. in all. Mm-hmm. Well, the interesting thing about the, about COVID-19 is it, it's, it's pretty deadly relative like to the very old, the, very, the, the, the elderly. Mm-hmm. Whereas if you're under 14, Mm-hmm. I think there's only been, I think you can count on one hand of the number of people who've died yeah. in the world mm-hmm. or something like that. It's super yeah. low. I don't think that the Spanish flu was that way. I don't, I think it was mm-hmm. more across the board. Oh yeah. It's more, yeah, that makes more sense. It was more evenly spread above yeah. age groups right. where this is like 80% or above 65 or something like that. Yes. Time. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That's, well, that's another thing is like things aren't what they seem to be. Cause I feel like a lot of the messaging is, is that it's killing, um, everyone. Mm-hmm. And I, I, and there's, there's, there's not a lot of distinction between, you know, kids going to school right. and, you know, them, um, versus, you know, them getting sick, but not just being sick, but dying or something like that. Like it's, it's so unlikely. I think it's even as, as, uh, less likely than the flu or similar or something like that as far <clears throat> as deaths for yeah, as a as a child, mm-hmm. which again I think is kind of classified as under fourteen, you're much more likely to die of the flu mm-hmm. than COVID. So it's a bit of thing again. That's like something that isn't what it seems to be. You right, know, I, right. I feel like the messaging around it is so so much more more deadly. Mm-hmm. That's I think that's kind of it's kind of hard to um, it's hard to get your mind wrapped around what we're actually facing. You know, yeah. I think that's, I think that's been difficult. Well, maybe the idea of something not being what it seems or, or that, that sort of, um, what's the word? Uh, it's like you get this itch or this curiosity, like, mm-hmm. wait a second, is this what it seems to be? M- maybe, that's the first step to figuring out more about what it actually is. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm not saying that from like a scientific approach to the way that we've handled COVID mm-hmm. necessarily. I think I'm talking more broader in terms of like the zeitgeist, the narrative as it applies to the zeitgeist yeah. and the way that we all behave around one another and the way that all of this sort of um, in an abstract way, guides our behaviors in the grocery store or when we order coffee, mm-hmm. you know, or, um, you know, see a friend, do we hug, do we shake hands? Do we do the elbow thing? Do, you know, do we stand <laughs> six bump. feet? You know, <laughs> totally. this bump. Um, 
the fist bump one's funny to me. I think it's funny when people do that because it's like, oh, right, you don't have COVID on the outside of your hands, your knuckles. <laughs> knuckles are immune to COVID. Uh-huh. <laughs> Whereas if I shook your hand, we'd be on the inside, uh-huh. the sweaty, balmy part. <laughs> exactly. And you might lick your palms afterwards. Or <laughs> 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 I won't show COVID. <laughs> Um, but yeah, it's like that when that curiosity pricks, which I think is, well, I think so the something not being what it seems to me has, I I could have two responses to that. Mm -hmm. One is curiosity. Mm -hmm. Like this doesn't seem to be what it is presenting itself to me as there seems Mm -hmm. to be more complexity here or more interest or more, there's something to be discovered. Yeah. There's also something potentially, um, manipulative or, uh, I want to use the word malfeasance, yeah, but I don't really know what that means. <laughs> I <laughs> think it's a political term, yeah. uh, like manipulative or misleading um, could be mm-hmm. that that phrase could bring on that feeling for me too. Yeah, <clears throat> yeah something yeah. nefarious afoot. Well, it is. I mean, I think what we just went through, uh, especially this last year, with in a presidential election, that you couldn't be more divided as a country. Um, which I don't know if I don't, it's, it'd almost be interesting. Again, this is another thing. It's like, is it, were we actually that divided or is this, is this another thing where, you know, uh, where the media sees a school shooting and then they find all the school shootings and it just amplifies school shootings for a period of time. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, growing up around Rilla, there would be at least one school shooting every year. You know, someone would get shot, you know, it's Mm -hmm. like, um, maybe over two years, but I was gonna say that's a lot. <laughs> well, like someone brought a gun to school or, you know, someone got shot tangentially to school or something right. like that. I mean, you can always spin it some way to make it sound like it mm. was something big, you know? Uh, but if that's happening in like my small town, you know, it's like how, how prevalent is that everywhere else? You know? Yeah. So I, also <clears throat> that's something that kind of makes me wonder about like how we've kind of covered um, uh, what was, what was I getting out with that? What's, oh, the, the division division and stuff like that is like, how much were we just amplifying that division? Well, it's some of that, but I think when I think about the last year, I do get the feeling that things aren't what they seem. And Mm -hmm. maybe two prominent examples to illustrate that the, um, the rioting that went on, all summer for like mm-hmm. six months straight, every single night at the mm-hmm. federal courthouse in Portland, mm-hmm. um, you know, sort of ostensibly under the banner of black lives matter. Yeah. But when I watched the footage of those things over, night after night, I just thought, okay, this isn't what it seems. Mm-hmm. This is not a black lives matter protest. Yeah. And there were black lives matter protests legitimately going on mm-hmm. adjacent to those, but what was happening at the federal courthouse? I don't know what was happening there. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and uh, if you follow Andy No on Twitter, he was documenting a lot of that, and mm-hmm. would very often, if anybody got arrested, put their mugshots up on Twitter the next day. And the the majority, if not all, of the people mm-hmm. that were arrested involved with this group trying to burn down the federal courthouse um, were all. <laughs> they looked like uh, friends of Jesse from Breaking Bad, <laughs> uh-huh. like methed out off like horrible looking like they're on their last leg, Mm -hmm. you know, that's what they looked like. I'm not saying that they were. Yeah. Um, and, and almost all of them white Mm -hmm. 
and I'm thinking, what is this has absolutely nothing to do with Black Lives Matter. Yeah. So what does this have to do with? And I don't know mm-hmm. because the media didn't report it. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> you know, Andy No reported it, and some other people who were were there. You, know, you can see stuff on Twitter, but you know, I don't know what that's about. I think yeah. it. I think it probably has more to do with anarchy, mm-hmm. which seems pretty important to talk about because we've got anarchists trying to burn down federal property. You know, but that got that got um, sort of like swallowed up in the the wave of the Black Lives Matter thing. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't seem obvious to me that that those two would go hand in hand. Yeah. So something's going on there. And sort of on the other side of the spectrum, I think we talked about this last week, is the um, you know the January sixth Capitol riot. Oh, true. You know, you can look at that and say very this is very obviously uh, right wing extremists. Mm-hmm. You know, in the same way that you can label the Portland riots as Black Lives Matter protests. Mm -hmm. It's like, I feel like if you sort of look at it or think about it for very long at all, it starts to fall apart to where it doesn't obviously have anything to do with that. Mm -hmm. But we're lumping these things in and not really investigating what's going on. I think that's causing a lot of division. I also think that we're missing something that's going on in our country. Mm -hmm. Because we're, it's getting pushed into the undercurrent, yeah, you know, and it's going to bubble up again. It's going to come back up, whether that's more anarchists or um, more whatever the people at the Capitol were, um, you know, whatever label you want to put on them. I don't, it's whatever they are, they're coming back mm-hmm. um, because we're not, well, we're not naming it, talking clearly about it. I'd love to say that, yeah. We're, our sense-making machines aren't naming things correctly. It's mm-hmm. like they're... they're it's like semantic overload where well, I feel like they're not naming things correctly on purpose mm-hmm. in order to demonize a larger group of people who's on the other side. Mm-hmm. You know, just like Antifa has sort of started to become synonymous with extreme left. And I, I don't know that they actually have all that much to do with each other. Mm-hmm. Um, but Antifa does seem like something we should be concerned about. And maybe we need to get, smarter about making some distinctions yeah well it's just i saw that uh, in canada they just called the proud boys a a a terrorist group um which i was really fascinating to see that um and i don't know i don't know enough about them to really speak intelligently on it um i don't know the the other thing the thing that stuck out to me about that was i think they called them a terrorist group of of white supremacists Mm. I'm pretty sure. So back when there was the debate and Trump said the famous stand down and stand by line mm-hmm. about the proud boys after, uh, Biden asked him to denounce white supremacy. And he said, who, what are you talking? Like, I, I've denounced it. What do you want me to say? Yeah. He said, denounce the proud boys. And he said, stand down, stand by. Um, which I think is like, that's such a fascinating study to me into like what to do with the character of Trump, because <laughs> you either have to say that he's a genius megalomaniac who's winking and nodding, mm-hmm. you know, or that he's a bumbling idiot who doesn't know what he's doing mm-hmm. and just used a wrong word. Mm-hmm. And it's not clear to me which one he is, you know? <laughs> totally. um, yeah, but they said that Proud Boys was a white supremacist group. And I remember back then the coverage I saw of the Proud Boys in response to that was from what I could tell showing that they didn't really seem to have anything to do with white supremacy. Mm-hmm. 
So they're also kind of getting lumped into this now far flung net of this term. Well, I think that you're, you're actually hitting on another topic that actually I think has to do with what we're talking about. Things are what they seem to be is uh, we're, we're using all these terms and we're semantically overloading them, you know, like racist, you know, like what is a racist and, uh, what other one, um, a white supremacist, Mm -hmm. Nazi. I mean, uh, you know, even, you know, black lives matter. It's like, it's like these terms are so overloaded with meaning that they almost mean nothing at all. Right. Uh, yeah, or you're not black if you don't agree with me, or you know, it's like if you don't, you're not black if you don't vote for me, and it's yeah. like, well, what, what is, <laughs> what, what are you saying? Like, <laughs> if you're Peter Thiel, you're not gay because yeah. you're a Republican. If you're Kanye West, you're not black because you like Trump, or uh-huh. yeah. Um, well, I guess I fear that the the sort of applied postmodern turn to quote James Lindsay in critical theories or cynical theories mm-hmm. in Helen Pluckrose. Um, I think the applied postmodern turn, which is, I wish I could explain what that means better, but um, I think actually seeks to do that to these terms mm-hmm. and, and, and actually weaponizes them as a result. Mm-hmm. And that seems to be happening sort of all over the political spectrum. Yeah. And that's a little bit terrifying because if you, if you blur the line the lines between categories such that a term like white supremacist applies to half the country mm-hmm. or um, Antifa applies to half the country or maybe half of Democrats um, as it kind of feels like right now from what I hear from the right. Um, well, you're kind of screwed because you can't tell what's what anymore. Mm-hmm. And now you're living in a, in a binary where it's this in group out group tribalism Mm -hmm. and if, and you can't speak the same language with that, with the people on the other side, because everything has been diluted to have no meaning. And once you can't speak the same language, you can't, you can't negotiate the terms of living peacefully Mm. in society together. And so the only, the only thing that can happen at that point is conflict Mm -hmm. and combat. Yeah, I mean, same thing with, I think there's a whole, there's a lot of Kafka traps out there too. It's like racist, uh, anti-racist or, uh, oh shoot, anti-racist or racist. Mm -hmm. It's like, there's no other two categories. That's it. And right. That's just, that's just not how the world works. Yeah. (laughs) White fragility is is another one. Uh huh. White fragility is another one. Yeah. Or all white people are this way. All black people are this way. All, you know, Asians, you know, it's like, it's. It's, it, it just seems up until... Wait, did you throw Asians in there? Yeah. What about Asians? <laughs> well, all Asians are this way. Oh, you know? gotcha. It's like, yeah. It's like just the stereotyping, again, of uh, of because your skin is this color, you mm-hmm. are this way, you know? Right. And, and it just seems that there's a sort of regression to... Um, to how we view each other in the world and putting people in the categories that are not necessarily true, you know? Right. Um, yeah, it's just even male and female biologically is even uh, uh, experiencing that same, same idea. You mm-hmm. know, it's like, um, <laughs> yeah, uh, I don't want to go on that one. Um, 
Yeah. So what, I call it semantic overload. What did you call it? I don't know. Oh, you're saying critical race theory. You were just saying that. So cynical theory is the applied postmodern term. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. 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 Well, yeah. The <clears throat> so postmodernism. I'll try to do this quick summary if I can, because <laughs> I don't quite have a handle on it. But postmodernism um, is intensely critical or skeptical of ideas such as objective reality mm-hmm. and obsessed with <clears throat> the idea that power and knowledge are interwoven inextricably mm. and that all of that is expressed and used through language. Mm-hmm. And so it seeks to uh, deconstruct everything based around those terms. So it sort of became a, a self-defeating idea. Mm-hmm. Like postmodernism kind of tore itself apart under the the logic of its own assumptions. Mm-hmm. But then it sort of had a revival and got renamed the, 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 the argument that they make is that it got renamed social justice or critical social justice, however you see it or want to say it. Um, and so in that, in that way, if you were going to apply postmodernism to real life, um, it requires activism and requires the blurring of boundaries and breaking down mm-hmm. of categories. And that's kind of what we're seeing. Um, well, you're seeing like a, an insistence about certain categories such as identity groups like race, Mm -hmm. that those are all defining that everything important about you is encapsulated in those identity groups. Mm -hmm. Um, but other categories are completely broken down into non-existence such as male and female in this case Mm -hmm. as is happening now. Yeah, that's, that's a, that's a good breakdown. (laughs) Thanks. <laughs> yeah, it's really fascinating. I know, uh, uh, I know James Lindsay on Twitter can be quite, uh, uh, <laughs> quite, what do you call it? Uh, These days he's yeah. gone full pubescent teenager on Twitter lately. <laughs> yes, definitely. Uh, but I mean, their book is really, they, they do a great job of outlining sort of like, you know, postmodern and the po- applied postmodernism, which was the nineties and early eighties. And then, uh, what you have today is sort of more of the social justice uh, extension of postmodern, the applied postmodern to yeah. uh, social justice. Um, and just how that affected, um, God, it's, 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 it's really fascinating. It'd be so great to have someone on our podcast to talk about this because uh, just being able to talk about how this has affected us as a, um, you know, being taught certain things in school and not long, no longer really having some of the basics of how to critically think and how to, uh, apply, um, um, apply reason and logic, you Mm -hmm. know, um, I think, think, think right now it's, we're having a, it's, it's more about, Oh, I don't, I, I lost my train of thought though. <laughs> well, so what do you think is the, I was going to say the right or proper, but maybe I'll say productive. Like mm-hmm. what's the productive response to things not being what they seem? Like how do we walk through the next year 
when when the pandemic certainly doesn't seem to be what it seems mm-hmm. to <clears throat> should it <laughs> however that sentence gets put together you know what i'm saying yeah. um you know or even what's going on politically uh biden's off to the races now has executed i think like 30 10 times mm-hmm. or or, or set eight <clears throat> times more executive orders in the first week than any president ever mm-hmm. or at least in the last yeah <laughs> five presidents um so he's uh certainly going um you know, I have a sense that a lot's going to change mm-hmm. over the next year. Um, and there's probably going to be a lot more of like, things aren't what they seem, you know? Yeah. Um, I think we're going to have a revival of the George Floyd incident, for mm-hmm. example. That's not something that has been talked about all that widely in the last several months, but, um, you know, that there is still an open case being investigated and there mm-hmm. will be a court date for Derek Chauvin and that's going to bring a lot up. Mm-hmm. Um, so if we are in a position where we really, we don't know exactly what we're dealing with, yeah. um, you know, we, we know something about it. We know enough about it to understand that it's objectively, actionably changing our lives, affecting mm-hmm. our lives. Um, but we don't know in reality exactly what's going on. So what's the productive posture to take in response to that? I think it's a really great question. Um, I don't think we have gone far enough into it. Like I still think we're on the, on the, on the low side of that curve. Mm -hmm. Like we are, I think there's some things that we're, we will not and cannot learn without really going through um, difficulty. And I don't think we've faced that as a nation yet. I the feel difficulty? Like, <clears throat> yeah, mm. I feel like there's been some pressure. and But I feel like Trump was so much of a, um, a distraction from the things that we actually really need to deal with. Do you think he was also somewhat of a release valve? maybe a release valve in that because there was something it, to direct, yeah, direct our attention to or anger yeah. or frustration or with, you know, from coming from both sides, you know, the frustration on the left and the right. Um, he was like, he was kind of a, a figure that kind of stood in the, you could just the evoke the, the name Trump. <laughs> uh-huh. And then there's a direction for all of your mm-hmm. frustration or your, the pressure that you're feeling. There's a, a thing to blame it on. Yeah. So I think without him there, because I mean, honestly, it was kind of quite resilient underneath that kind of pressure, which I, <clears throat> I surprisingly mean, so. surprisingly so, you know, which I don't feel like Biden has that ability to have that, <clears throat> to be able to stand up. I mean, obviously there's a difference between being able to stand up and really lead people, you know, which I don't think Trump really did a great job in leading a country. No, um, definitely not. And At least not rhetorically. Yeah, yeah, not rhetorically. Um, I don't. <clears throat> Biden doesn't have that. Yeah, but he's also not going to be subjected to the same. Oh, pressure. yeah, true. Yeah. Um, but he's going to be subjected to other pressures. I mean, just mm-hmm. being president, for example. Um, <clears throat> it'll be interesting to see how he holds up to that, or or if we even hear about it. Well, that's the thing too. Is I, you know, the media was so hard on Trump, and you know go for it. That's what their job is to figure out the truth and, and push, you know, 
but they're not doing that with Biden at all. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like it's like it's like baby you know, I questions. Saw, I don't and, remember which uh, which outlet <laughs> said hilarious. that they plan to subject the same the current administration uh-huh. new administration to the same amount of scrutiny Such they the last year. And I was like, is anyone buying this? Mm-hmm. No, you're not. Yeah, yeah. I think I think more like. Uh, again, I think our media should put pressure on our leaders and, and call them to task, you know, that's the whole idea of putting power to account. Mm -hmm, Exactly. But I think with, uh, I think they've also been revealed that they're not being responsible with the power that they have. Mm -hmm. And, uh, whether Trump caused this or was more of a, uh, revealer of this, I think, I think that's also something being called into account right now. Mm-hmm. And you are, you've, you've been seeing this over the last five years with podcasts and YouTube and a lot of other voices are being, um, turned to, to make help make sense of the world. I mean, I think like Brett Weinstein, a freaking biologist who's got something 500,000 to a million viewers, you know, mm-hmm. I mean, we were talking about that the the other day, like how unlikely (laughs) that would have seemed if you said like, uh, like even just four years ago, Uh there's this Jewish (laughs) short (laughs) evolutionary (laughs) biologist fond of dad jokes. Yeah. And his equally quirky wife too. Yeah. Yeah. And they're going to have a channel with, (laughs) he's going to have half a million followers on Twitter and a channel with uh, how, who knows how many subscribers they have. Yeah seems so unlikely, mm-hmm. but when you listen to them, it makes perfect sense. Yeah. And the fact that they have a platform, mm-hmm. um, and that the sort of package of celebrity is no longer required for, um, to reach an audience like that. Yeah. That gives me a lot of hope. I do think we're going to see increased pressure on open channels of distribution like podcasts, mm. um, as we move through this year. And I suspect that the media is going to start losing their viewership Mm -hmm. now that they don't have the Trump release valve. Totally. You know, unless I saw Trump set up a (laughs) office of the former president, Yeah. which, Uh okay, one, it's hilarious Uh because Biden had offices of the president elect, which also wasn't a thing. Oh, oh, was it? I didn't even know. No, he just, I don't think, Somebody can check me on this, but I think I'm pretty sure that no one had ever done that before. Okay. It was not an official thing. He just did it. So Trump's doing this now, which could just be like a childish, you know, Mm -hmm. like jab, Um, you know, or he's going to stir things and (laughs) the media is going to retain their, their, uh, their Trump card. Yeah. But I, I think that the media, as far as mainstream media goes, and what I mean by that is um, MSNBC, mm-hmm. Fox News, CBS, The New York Times, uh, sort of that institutional media is going to lose some viewers. And as that happens and people continue to turn towards podcasts like The Dark Horse or mm-hmm. Joe Rogan or um, Trigonometry, Trigonometry or pod save America or Ben Shapiro or, you know, whatever side of the political daily show, the daily, uh, um, the more people turn to those, um, the more incentivized the media is going to be to further stories such as we've already seen, like, Mm -hmm. uh, 
political extremists, there was a headline recently, political extremists exploiting loophole in the podcast network to, saw that. to spread disinformation. Uh-huh. <laughs> the loophole being we don't control podcasts <laughs> so they can say what they want, you know, and now we've seen, uh, you know, Apple and Google and Amazon, um, come together to boot parlor from existence. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they could certainly do, they could certainly respond to pressure to start kicking podcasts off. Yeah. Um, so that's a, that's a prediction. Yeah. I just, I, I feel like there's a, what is it? I think it, I think this applies right, rightly, uh, jumping the shark. You know, I feel like there's some pressure point where if they're not careful, they'll step too far and that credibility will just start to crumble. You know, you take one person off like Alex Jones, like you take him off, like everyone's like, ah, whatever, you know, right, he's crazy. Right. You know, it's like, but then you start kind of like encroaching on like the, the unity 2020, what Brett Weinstein was doing and, mm-hmm. and proposing Tulsi Gabbard and Dan Crenshaw as the possible candidates, you know, they got removed from Twitter and still hasn't been reinstated, you know? So it's like, where does that creep how far does that creep come in before everyone's like, wait a minute, that's too far. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I hear a lot of people on the left and the right that kind of more in that central area. Like I feel like a lot of those people in the center are already sort of going, okay, wait a minute. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> yeah. Play this game long enough. The consequences mm-hmm. are going to be dire. Yeah. I mean, but you're, you're, you're more people that are more in, entrenched on the left and the right. Uh, they're, they're kind of more in their bubbles of that, of their media mm-hmm. that I think it's, it's, I, I even seen it kind of encroaching into that space too, but it's just a little bit more, I think they're a little bit more entrenched in their own bubble of their beliefs, you know? Yeah. Um, I mean, where, where do you see us breaking? Like, like in a good way <laughs> or maybe not. I don't know. Like what are, what's your, what's your prophetic or uh, <laughs> you're into the future yeah, positive or uh, negative? Yeah, positive or negative. Um, well, I think as it pertains to the the the, the censor, censorship, sort of AKA cancel culture or whatever all of that is, deep platforming. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's going to get worse before it gets better. Yeah. And I think the reason for that is we don't know what we don't know how to do anything different about it because we've never had to deal with anything like this with big tech and mm-hmm. um, and with any individual really able to spread their voice as far as it will as far as they want and for anyone to listen to that. Yeah. Like we don't know how to we don't know how to deal with that because it's brand new. So it's going to get worse. We're going to figure it out. Um, we're going to have to come up with some some new ideas about, you know, kind of like we have the Bill of Rights. Mm-hmm. Um, we're going to have to have something akin to that on the Internet, I think. That makes sense. But I don't think we're going to have that for a couple of years. Yeah. And in those couple of years, I think it's going to have to get bad enough to where, as you were saying, people kind of wake up and both on the left and right say... <laughs> Because yeah, our chief isn't trying to impeach Trump again. It's like, no, uh, yeah. let's move on, guys. Let's kind of get it. Sorry. Go ahead. 
Well, that was, yeah. Start. I think you're somebody, somebody made this comment and I thought this made, it made a lot of sense. It was like, so y'all are spending all of your time trying to impeach Trump when you also said that you got handle handed a, a, like the, the, uh, uh, country was like falling apart, no plan for the pandemic, mm-hmm. all these people dying. And you decide what you re- is really important is to impeach <laughs> a former president. Like <laughs> really there aren't other things to deal with here. Uh-huh. Um, I thought that was an interesting take. Well, I'm, I, th- I feel like I'm seeing that, that take on from, from people on the left and the right. Like I, there's, there's yeah, yeah, yeah. there's Republicans uh-huh. saying that and, and Democrats. Yeah. <clears throat> But I just feel like, you know, look, he's already out of office. Like, I, I, I get that you don't want him to be able to run again, and that seems to be the only reason I've heard to impeach him at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, well, you got four years to do that. Mm-hmm. Like, <laughs> Well, it's, it's also the wrong response. It's, well, obviously, you're, you're not speaking to the American people. You know, if, if you're afraid that Donald Trump is going right. to be reelected... It's like, maybe, maybe you need to do some, or we need to do some, or whatever the thing is, uh, soul searching and saying, okay, well, what is it? Well, who are we? Who are we? Not a demographic, not a religious group. It's like, who are we as a nation and how do we bring us? I feel like there's some sort of unifying factor there rather than trying to, um, (laughs) not, (laughs) yeah, Trump not get elected. It's like, well, if you don't want Trump to get reelected in 2024, you yeah. should be breasting pretty easy because he just got voted out mm-hmm. in what the people who are saying they don't want him to get reelected is a free, fair election. Mm-hmm. There wasn't, you know, no fraud. Oh yeah. So you should rest easy <laughs> that the country voted him out. Like, so, uh-huh. okay. Well, that's another thing like that where things aren't what they seem. It's like, you know, Hillary Clinton was saying a lot of the same things that Trump was saying, you know, back then. So four like, years ago. Four yeah. years ago. And you're like, well, guys, like, it, it doesn't make sense. Like, they're, you know, I'm just, I think I'm realizing that politics is just a stupid, stupid game. <laughs> it does seem so, yeah. You know? Uh-huh. Well, it's also just stupid that people would allow that to come in between their relationships, like their family relationships, their, with other people, or... That breaks my heart. Yeah, it's <clears> just <throat> dumb. It really breaks my heart. And I've seen more of that this year uh, than ever before. People severing ties with family. And that's so concerning to me. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, if our society is going to have any stability, that starts with family. Mm-hmm. It starts with close relationships. Yeah. You can't have a stable society with no familial foundation. Yeah. And if we're severing the ties with our family, well, that's not going to be good for the future. And that was a really strange, I've been puzzling about this for a while. You know, of all the recommendations that I heard from government officials, whether that's city, state, federal, whatever, the one that I heard the most often said the most sternly was whatever you do, don't go see your family. Mm. What is that about? Like, 
It's no, totally fine. Go to the grocery store. Yeah. No, t- definitely. We're opening restaurants back up. You should go. Yeah. No bars are open. Yeah. Go there. Mm-hmm. Um, um, there's a big protest, you know, you have <laughs> AOC putting out pamphlets on Instagram about what you should bring to the protest. Yeah. So, but I keep hearing, don't go see your family, whatever you do. It's the most important thing you can do. Don't see your family. Second most important thing is that schools probably need to remain closed. Yeah. So, but why, why are those the two most important things? Your, your children shouldn't be educated and you should be broken from your family. Mm-hmm. I can't help but feeling like that's a conspicuous oddity that doesn't make any, I can't find a way for that to make any sort of scientific sense in terms of like slowing the spread or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> but if you're breaking down the education of children in the family unit, It's hard for me to not feel like there's something very nefarious afoot there. Yeah. I mean, what's the future of society going to look like with no families and no education? Yeah, I think, I mean, especially education and how it affects, uh, you know, poorer families, you know, lower to lower middle class to on down. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's, that's a huge impact, not having this, not having the resources to, for education and stuff like that, or maybe even, you know, having, you know, families on all across the spectrum that don't have good. Um, I mean, it's another side of the family thing is like, you know, that don't have good families, you know, abusive relationships or, um, don't have the support that you need, but you get through school functions or your friends or whatever it might be. Mm-hmm. Um, again, this comes to another part of this is we're, we're just being so one dimensional about how, how this, and maybe that's a, a, maybe that's something that kind of this way reveals to us is, you know, and I would like to see the, the figures on this in the years coming, you know, is like, what did it, what did COVID actually cause damage versus how we reacted to COVID, you know, as far as people not getting treatments, as far as relationally, educationally. Yeah. I mean, I've been seeing some data over the last couple of days coming out about, um, overdose deaths mm-hmm. specifically in 2020 far more people have died of overdose mm-hmm. apparently than COVID yeah. in the year 2020. Oh fuck. That's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't, I, I meant to look this up today, but how many, what the death rate was for 2020. Cause that should be 10 weeks. Okay. We're still probably about four or five. I don't weeks. think it's till February. Yeah. They put out that data, the CDC. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It will be interesting to look back. Um, I mean, assuming that what we look back on is accurate data. Mm-hmm. I mean, another thing that I'm seeing or hearing a lot of is that um, there's quite a few media publications who are going oh. back and editing articles from five, ten years ago mm-hmm. to change what they say to conform to current ideas. Uh, this is crazy, or- Orwellian yeah. in like the most terrifying <laughs> sense. Like, uh-huh. So if we're doing it there, then what's to stop doing it for the quote unquote data that we would access to try to figure out what really happened and what's, what we're to think about it. Well, I think that's where the opportunity is just coming in is like, you know, all of you guys are listening. Um, is, is, I think that's the part that 
there is a huge opening for people who are willing to deal with the complexities and not get so pigeonholed into an ideology or um, uh, one way of looking at things. And I think that's, I think the real leaders are going to come out of this time, the real ones, and hopefully not any doofuses like we've had, <laughs> but the ones that are able to like actually speak into this and re- show and reveal the complexities and to be, to be able to sit with the complexity, but also to be able to make decisions. You know, I think that's, uh, I mean, the people that I see doing that, those are the ones I'm looking up to that right. are able to hold two conflicting ideas together at the same time, you mm-hmm. know, like, uh, I don't know, like, someone being black and voting for Trump like mm-hmm. that, that a lot of people's mind is a oxymoron, you know? Yeah. it smash. Well, it's, it smashes a preconceived notion of what those two things are. Mm-hmm. And maybe our notions need to be smashed a bit so that we can rebuild them and, and rebuild them more accurately. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it's just hard to it's hard to put your head around like how we can kind of come out of this. I don't it's I'm not much of a doom doom and gloom kind of person because uh, I, I see so many possibilities, mm-hmm. but I, I do I don't feel like we're there. We're not on the other side of this yet. I have the feeling, the sense that I don't think we're going to come out of this. And, and, and that's, and what I mean by that is not that we, the pandemic isn't going to be over mm-hmm. or that we won't heal division. Mm-hmm. I think what I mean is that we're not going to come out of this where this is, we lead a life mm-hmm. as individuals, as Americans, fathers, mothers, sons, and daughters. Mm-hmm. That is inherently, inextricably a story which is difficult. And we will continue through to the end of our lives this, you know, and one thing will be replaced with the next. Mm-hmm. There will always be something to fight about, always be something sure. to struggle with and question and say things aren't what they seem the only idea of coming out of this or come out or what the other side of this would be is some idea of heaven. Hmm. That makes sense. So until then, this is the life we have. And I think, and I hope that I can personally choose to struggle through these things, not in the hopes that I will come out of it on the other side in 2021 or 2022 or 2024 Mm -hmm. and spend the next year's, you know, fingernails bearing into palms and um, just getting beat down, looking forward to rest, Mm -hmm. but figure out a way to stand up to it in strength and in um, tenacity and with perseverance that says, no, this is our life to live. And it is a gift of a life to live. Mm Mm-hmm. Pandemic or no, Trump or no, Biden or no, it's a life I want to live. Yeah. So let's go live it because there's, you know, 
what was that that episode we did a couple times ago about um, how good could things be, mm. something like that. Mm-hmm. I've been so inspired by that conversation, <clears throat> just thinking about all of the opportunity that we have to do something, to do something good. Yeah. And whatever we're living through, we don't have to wait to come out of it to do good things, to do things that interest us, to that turn us on and get us fired up. And I think that that's what I hope for in our leaders mm-hmm. to say, not we're going to crush this pandemic. You know, obviously we all want that, but what would it be like for a leader to stand up and say, here's how we're going to live our best life until this pandemic is over. Mm. And here's how that's going to continue on through the pandemic and make us even better then. Here's how, Here's how to love each other now. Mm-hmm. Here's how to care for your family now. Here's how to care for Republicans. Here's how to care for Democrats. Yeah. Here's how you reach across the aisle or, or religious or whatever it is that you're divided from somebody else. Yeah. Yeah. Well, have we done it? I think so. Um, I, 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 as you were saying all that stuff, I, I, I found it interesting that sometimes there's certain things where you and I are that are different from what we're talking about on the podcast, you know, cause you and I are pretty stoked about a lot of things right now. True. That is true. You know? So it's like, <clears throat> but again, <laughs> that comes back to the complexities mm-hmm. is like, there's a lot of things that really bother us and that we're confused about. And obviously that's where we go for the shores of ignorance <clears throat> is the things that we're struggling with and trying to work out. But, uh, Matt and I've been reading a lot of books and have had a lot of conversations just about like how we move on from here and the things that we're not working on that we should be working on, whether it be like health or breathing mm-hmm. or business or money or relationships. Yeah. We're starting some new things. Yeah. Starting trying some, some things. new things. Mm-hmm. We're also dreaming pretty big yeah, about totally. what we want in the very near future. And, mm-hmm. um, that's as probably as specific as we're going to get in that description totally. <laughs> because one, we don't want to jinx it. And you know, two, uh, there is no two, but, um, yeah, no, I mean, maybe that, that speaks to what you're saying about sort of holding two different things mm-hmm. at once, you know, there's a lot of things to be frustrated about and complain about, but there's also a lot of things to be, stoked on mm-hmm. jazzed about. And as like the, as a sort of the cliche goes is like when things are the hardest, that's when you build mm-hmm. because you know, when everything's easy, everybody does it, mm. you know? So like really this is the time to, to dig down and start unearthing some of those things that might be dormant or maybe haven't given enough air to and start working on them because it's not about right now. It's about, a year from now, six months from now and yeah. <clears throat> letting those things kind of fly into the future. And you got to do the work now to, uh, get those things moving. So, Amen. Amen. <laughs> I love, love when you sing. <laughs> yeah. <It's> so inspiring. <laughs> I honestly, that is all the juice I need to get me through the next 48 hours. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> well, cool. What do we got? We're almost up to the hour. So, 
probably a good place to end it. Yeah, sounds good. Uh, this was an interesting conversation. It was. It's it, kind uh, of fumbling. It fumbled at the beginning, but I feel like we, mm-hmm. we mined a little bit of gold out of it. Um, I feel like you were just... more coherent, though, than I was. <laughs> well, I, I had one spark that turned into a little run there, but uh-huh. other than that, yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, thanks for listening, everybody. Go sure. uh, give us a follow on Instagram. Give us a rating on podcast mm-hmm. all over the place <laughs> <laughs> apple podcast is what i meant to say but all the podcasts all the podcasts <laughs> um uh before we get booted yeah um, exactly yeah obligatory podcast stuff uh-huh. love you all thanks for listening for sure we'll see you guys bye, bye.